let's go ahead and go to the book of Psalms, chapter 27. Uh, we are uh, going to look at verse number one first, and we're going to go through verse number four. A Psalm of David, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Amen. Praise the Lord. We thank the Lord for his goodness, for his mercy. We are um, moving a little bit further. We've um, in our uh, lesson and in our discussion, as we've been talking about characteristics of godly goals, and we'll get into that, as you can see, uh, for those of you who are on uh, line in the session, um, the slide um, has changed. Um, today, we're going to progress and move into uh, another topic, which is the other side of godly goals, okay? And we're going to be dealing with that purpose. So we're going to start on that journey um, today, which is, uh, which is a good thing. Our scripture text, um, I want you to focus and zero in on that B portion. That's where we're going to be of that of Psalms 27 and 4. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So this is that B portion of verse number 4 or, that the, or the, the, the second half of that uh, portion. So obviously for um, uh, when we talk about A and B portion, we use that terminology whenever we are going to focus or zero in on part of a scripture, okay? So when we say the B portion, that's the latter half. When we say the A portion, that's the upper half. So most times you don't hear anybody talk about the C portion or anything like that. It's pretty much just A and B, all right? Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, um, we, we, we are going to progress to the uh, concept or the topic of dealing with the other side of godly goals, okay? Um, this will be part one. Um, I just kind of got that feeling that we're going to have to uh, do this in uh, maybe a couple sessions, but amen, that is good. Um, no matter how we kind of slice it and dice it, one thing have I asked of the Lord, um, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Now, um, we last left and we finished last week talking about um, the sixth characteristic of godly goals. Okay. We, so that's where we, that's, that's where we were. We talked about that sixth uh, characteristic, so to speak, of um, of godly goals, okay? And we said or um, that that sixth characteristic of godly goals um, or God-centered goals is that they demand holiness, okay? We so, and, and that's what we talked about last week. What is holiness? And this is where we, this is kind of where we ended 
and I want to recap this just a bit, and then we'll start moving on into um, this new aspect or um, that we have for today. But the sixth characteristic, okay, uh, we said uh, of godly goals or goals that are centered on God is that they demand holiness. Now, when we talk about holiness, holiness in regards to God. So when we start looking at holiness from the perspective of what does it mean when we are dealing with God, when we use the word holy or holiness, when we start discussing that and we start doing that in terms or with or in respect to God, amen. And then the question is, is what does that mean? Well, holiness in respect to God is a chief attribute or characteristic of God. Now, remember, you may remember from uh, previous lessons that when we talk about characteristics or attribute, we're talking about those traits or those qualities or those things that uniquely belong to God. Okay. These are characteristics that belong to him and him alone. All right. So when we say um, the attributes of God or characteristics of God, then many times we're talking about things like God is uh, omnipotent or God is omniscient or God is omnipresent. So in other words, God is all powerful. God is all knowing. God is, is uh, everywhere. Those are attributes. Okay. All right. Those are attributes or characteristics that, um, that belong to God. We also learned in a previous lesson um, that, that it goes deeper than that, but, but light is also a characteristic or an attribute. And we discovered that we went into that whole thing and discovered that when we talk about light, what we're really talking about is glory. That's in the previous lessons that we invite you to, to, to listen to when you get some time. Um, but when we talk about holiness in regards to God, it's a chief attribute or characteristic of his. When we talk about it, okay, when we talk about God's holiness, we are talking about the very nature of God. Amen. We're talking about the very nature of God. Okay. And that is something that we must keep in mind when we do that, when we, when we say that, that we're talking about the very nature of God. Um, if you look at Isaiah chapter six, verses one through uh, verses one through three, okay? Isaiah chapter six, one through three, which is what we have on our text there. The Bible says this, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain, he covered his face and with twain, he covered his feet <clears throat> and with twain, he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So here it is. We have him being recognized as holy. Amen. God's nature, amen, is holy. And that's something you want to keep in mind. Holiness, all right. Now, in regard to man, when we start getting into to start, start zeroing in and going drilling in a little bit further. When we start talking about holiness in respect to man, okay, it's different, okay, because with man, it is a quality to be developed, okay? It is a quality to be developed in God's people, 
Amen. That, that is very important. Because when we talk about holiness in regards to mankind, what we really are getting into is we're talking about that thing that God wants us to be. Amen. Leviticus 20 and 7. Take a look at it. Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be ye what? Holy. Why? For I am the Lord your God. Okay? Holy. He wants us to be holy. When we start talking about holiness in regards to mankind, we're talking about that state, okay, or that condition. We're talking about that quality. We're talking about what God wants us to be. Amen. Amen. And, 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 and not only is it a thing that God wants us, wants for us, okay, God wants us to be holy, but we also should want to be holy. Isaiah 26, 9, with my soul have I desired thee in the night. Look at that, with my soul. He's talking about everything, okay? I desire thee with, I desire thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me, will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. The scripture is saying, I want you, God. I want all, I want, I, I desire you. And I want that, I, that, that, I want all of that. I'm, I'm looking, and, and when he goes into talking about, he desires with his soul and desires with his, with his spirit. So in essence, what, the, what Isaiah is saying is, is that I'm, I'm desiring you, God, with everything. I want what about you. I want what pertains to you, and I want it with everything. And that's something that's important because the question is to us is, do we want what God wants for us? God wants us to be holy. Man, when we talk about holiness, as we said before, holiness, when we deal with God, that's a characteristic. That's something that God is. We, by nature, are not holy. No, because why? We have a fallen nature. Our nature has been corrupted by sin. Amen. So we are not holy, okay? On unaided, on our own, with standing on our own strength and our own two feet, brothers and sisters, we are not holy. Uh-uh, not by ourselves, not unaided, okay? But that, but just because we are not holy on our, in and of ourselves, holy in and of ourselves, right? It doesn't stop God from desiring or requiring holiness from us. God still wants us to be holy. And we just read that in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 7. God, it's a plain call for us to be holy. Amen. It's a plain call for us to be holy. Holiness, we discovered last week, is, uh, is an adjective. And, 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 and holiness and the and holy, both of those two words, okay, we discovered that they what? They occur about 900 or more than 900 times in the Bible. Amen. And that's good to know. The primary Old Testament word for holiness means to cut or to separate fundamentally. Okay. Holiness is cutting off or separation from what is unclean and consecration to what is pure. And I told you guys last week that um, in, in religious academia, they, this concept is actually taught under a, uh, under a doctrinal topic. That doctrinal topic that they use to discuss this or to describe this aspect is, or this, this, uh, this concept is that of sanctification. 
Sanctification simply means really to be separated from something, okay, and then to be uh, dedicated to something else or separated from that which is wrong and dedicated to that which is right or to he who is right is actually what is what the doctrine of sanctification actually covers and what it actually gets into but sanctification but when this concept but this but it, so in religious academia that's the way they refer to it but this is actually part of a larger uh framework or a larger uh topic it's actually just a component within the topic of holiness okay so when we talk about um, being sanctified all right that you can you can almost at times use that interchangeably with being holy because holy because being sanctified or being separated and dedicated is housed within the topic of holiness in other words that it, it's what it takes to be holy okay if you are going to be holy before god you are going to be separated from the things of this world and you are going to be dedicated unto god when you go through the process of sanctification, you become holy. Amen. So holiness or sanctification is actually a part of the larger framework of holiness. Sanctification is just a doctrine that is broken out on its own for the simple purpose of dissecting and understanding it um, in, in a piece by piece meal. So in other words, sometimes we don't always get the big picture. Okay, so what we do is, is that many times we have to break things up. And so sanctification is a way of kind of breaking up into components, bite-sized chunks, the bigger picture or the bigger topic that is holiness. Amen. Amen. That's good stuff to know. So make sure you do understand that. We also said that there are about 11 words in the, uh, between the Hebrew and Greek, six in the Hebrew, five in the Greek language that are translated as the word holy. Now remember, we there, there's, there's between holiness and holy, there's over 900, between both of them together, there's over 900 uses in there. But now we're zero in a little bit further. There are about 11 words um, just for the word holy, okay? That are, or that are translated as the word holy, okay? And so we have this list up here for you. We put this up last week. And what this is, is, is that it's a list of the different uh, Hebrew of the different Hebrew and Greek words, okay, that are translated as being holy, and it gives you a little bit of what the nuance or what the flavor is and what it actually means. So, holiness, um, when it um, um, can is 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 translated in its different forms, uh, there are um, has it has different aspects that are being highlighted or meanings that are actually being referred to or being used, even though it's all translated into the same English word, that of holy, right? There are different words for holy. And those different words convey different nuances or meanings or shades of color within the greater framework or the topic that is holiness. So that's good for you. That's a good thing for you to know and to keep in mind, okay? Amen. Um, and, and then let me go back to that. Um, for those of you who have copied this down, um, those, those are going to be your Strong's numbers. Okay. So those of you who are familiar with looking up words uh, in the Strong's concordance, I put this up here so that you are able to actually do a little deeper dive on your own time. You can take these words 
uh, or you can take these Strong's numbers and you can look them up in the Hebrew and the Greek, and then you can expand your understanding of, um, of that particular word's definitions and meanings and the way that it was used. Amen. Why holiness? Okay. Um, the house of God, we said last week, must be adorned in holiness. Amen. The house of God must be adorned in holiness. If you look at Psalms 93 and 5, the Bible says this, thy testimony are very sure. Holiness becometh the house of the house, O Lord, forever. Thine house, O Lord, forever. Thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forevermore. That's, we need to understand that. We need to make sure we get that one. Why? Because what the Bible is actually saying here is that you are, God is revealing to us what looks good to him as it concerns his house. God has a way that he wants his house decorated. And when you get to Psalms 93 and 5, and I love it this morning, you are talking about how God, you know, how God wants his house decorated. Some people on this, on this that will be listening to this message, you love decorating. You love all of that. And, 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 and you like for your house, your home, or, or whatever it is to look as nice as it can be. You love getting things to, um, to adorn that house, to make it look good, to make it look like a home so that it fit, when people come in, they feel the love when they walk in. They feel that warmth. They feel all of those different, those different things. And you enjoy that. There are lots of people. I know lots of people who love all of that. And you know what? Many people are surprised, be surprised that that desire actually comes from God. Remember, our feelings, our emotions, and those different things, we got God created all that for us. So that actually comes from someplace. And when you look at Psalms 93 and 5, you are looking at that decorative um aspect of God, that desire about him or that characteristic about him that wants to decorate. But the decorations of the Lord are holiness. And that is what Psalms 93 and 5 is telling us. The, thy testimonies are very sure. So God, what you have to say, what you've declared, that stuff is solid. All of that. Holiness becometh thine house. That means it looks good. It means that's a good look for God's house. So when we, God's house, and you got to remember, we are the house of God. We are the temple of God. So when the Bible talks about holiness becometh thine house, he's not talking about what, he's not talking about you walking into a physical building, okay? He's not talking about the physical or local church. No, 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 no. He's talking about when he steps into your life. He's saying holiness looks good on you. And I know some people struggle with, 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 with living holy and walking in, in holiness. They say, you know what? 
this just ain't me. They say, this is too difficult. I, I, I have some struggles with this. I'm not necessarily like everybody else. And, I'm, and, 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 and they've been saved a long time. They've been doing this a long time. And maybe I'm not cut out for it. Or maybe I'm not this, that, and the other, and so on and so forth. Number one, first and foremost, the people around you are not your gold star standard of what you are supposed to be. God decides who you are and what you are supposed to be. You want to know what you're supposed to be? Read that word. That Bible tells you what you are supposed to be. Your holiness cannot be compared to somebody else. Uh, uh. The only litmus test there is for holiness is the scripture. Your, what your life what your life represents and what it displays and what it demonstrates and what it puts out there for all to see has got to be in compliance with the word of God. Many of us get sidetracked and self-defeated because we're comparing ourselves to other people wanting to to some as if these people are the gold star standard of holiness. There ain't no gold star standard of holiness. They are a man like you and I, and they got sin just like you and I. We have to stop taking people, I don't care what their title is, I don't care what their pedigree is, and stop putting them on a pedestal. The Lord is God and God alone. And the Bible says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Oh, but Brother Walker, that's part of the, that's a, the commandment. We're not under the law. Hold on. Yeah, don't get it twisted. The Bible tells us in the, in the epistle of Timothy, wherefore we know the law is good if it be used lawfully. And brothers and sisters, when God tells you that you are supposed to love him with everything else and all that you have above and in everything else, you got to understand something. That ain't obsolete. Uh-uh. Jesus came and fulfilled all of that. Why? So that now you can walk and demonstrate that without the fear of penalty or going to hell because you dropped the ball. Glory to God. I'm just making it plain right there. It didn't, he, didn't, he didn't come fulfill. He didn't come. Jesus didn't come and fulfill it in order to exempt you from demonstrating or modeling the behaviors that are acceptable for God. In other words, he didn't take on fulfilling the, 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 the law so that you could just turn a, turn a blind eye to the law. No, no, no. We don't need the law for salvation. It ain't for that. And it never was for that. Amen. But the law was in, put in place to establish the difference between right and wrong, between sin and, un, you know what I'm saying, and that which is sinless. Okay? That's what it's there for. And it also shows you the preferences of God or what does God like. And so the brothers and sisters, though you might feel at times you're struggling with being better being holy. Let me tell you something. Let me make it easier on you. Number one, stop comparing your holiness to somebody else because what you're talking about is holiness for somebody else. Don't be surprised that God might be looking at that because he's reading the hearts and the intents and what they putting on is nothing more than a facade. It ain't holy at all. Not holy at all. Don't get caught up on other people. They don't have no heaven. They don't have no hell to put you in. They are not your test. They are not your standard. God is the standard. That word of God and God alone is that standard. And listen, when it comes to holiness, God says you can do it. Don't worry about what nobody else said. Don't, put, don't worry about that. You do what God says do. 
And God is saying that holiness becometh thine house. God's saying, even though you feel you struggling, God says, guess what? Holiness, that holiness look good on you. Glory to God. I love that. I love that. I hope you feel that this morning. I hope you feel that because I know you might struggle at times, but guess what? You keep right on going and pushing forward in the name of Jesus, yielding to the Holy Ghost, because I'm telling you, guess what? That holiness looks good on you. I, and listen, and listen, don't, 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 don't do like some people. And they say, well, you know what? This person can wear that outfit better than me. Hold on. Can't nobody wear holiness better than you. It, it, God, look, holiness is something we all got to have on, yet at the same time, it is a custom fit. It is tailor-made. And I am telling you that if you will obey the scriptures, if you will obey God Almighty, listen, your holiness might not look like exactly like somebody else's uh, flaunted or perceived uh, or mocked up. Um, holiness, but I'm telling you, is that genuine article holiness, brothers and sisters? It looks good on you. You keep going with that. Amen. 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 Why holiness? You can't have fellowship with God without holiness. Okay, you can't have that. First Corinthians 10:21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Okay. Now listen. You're going to have struggles living holy as long as you're still trying to live unholy. Uh-oh, I'm going to say that again. You are going to struggle being holy, living holy, as long as you are still trying to live unholy. You cannot, listen, there's no middle ground. There is no meeting of the mind. There's none of that when it comes to holiness. You can't have holiness and unholiness. You're going to only, you can only be one or the other. Okay. You can't have, you can't do God stuff. See, listen, a lot of people think that, you know, well, there's going to be more that I've done right than that I've done wrong. God, hold on. God, that, that is a world concept. That is world. That is worldly one-on-one. God, no, 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 no. We can't have that concept that says, well, you know what? That's all right. I'm going to keep doing what I want to do. And, and I'm, a, I'm a, and, and, and because at the end, it's all going to balance out. Uh-uh, no. Jesus said, you got to be faithful unto death. You got to ride this thing all the way to the end. And if you're going to live holy, listen, you got to be holy. You can't, you, you can't, you can't, you, you, you can't be holy today and then spin out of control, spin out of the way of holiness. And then think, oh, well, you know what? I, I was holy at one point, so that's going to be good enough. No, it ain't. You got to stay with God. You got to stay with God. And God is able to keep you from falling. God is able to keep you. You don't have to spin out of control and out of the way of holiness. God can keep you from that. But you have to do. But there's one thing that God is not going to do for you. God is not going to make up your mind for you to follow him and to love him. You got to do that yourself. You have to come, you have to look at the ways of God and count it as holy and count it as righteous and count it as desirable. You have to do that. You have to want God more than you want any and everything else. And when you do that, brothers and sisters, God will help you. Amen. So no, you can't drink from the, the Lord's cup and then drink from the, 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 the devil's cup. It ain't going to work. Okay. God, no, God don't bless mess. Amen. Okay. You, uh, you, you, why holiness? Because you can't see God without it. Okay. Hebrews 12 and 14, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So anybody thinking that they get into heaven without holiness, you're not going to heaven, not at all. So you might as well just, just, 
You might as well just change your mind and, re and get your itinerary, itinerary straight because heaven ain't on the list. As long as you're walking in sin and unrighteousness, heaven is not on the list. You can think it is all that you want, but God, he says that he is the Lord, our God, and he don't change. He changes not. And if he says it in here, follow peace uh, with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Look, if that scripture said that without holiness, you're not seeing God. I, I don't, you can put your spin on it. I can put my rendition on it. You can remix it all you want. I'm telling you, guess what? God's word is not going to change. You're not going to heaven without holiness. Okay. Now, and that's very important. You need to know that. I need to know that. Why? Because it's the holiness that is according to the Bible and not the holiness according to some man or somebody else who done gave you some, some Mickey Mouse inter interpretation of what holiness is. Uh, uh. No, you follow what the word says, brothers and sisters, and you won't go wrong. You will not go wrong because God will keep you all the way from start to finish. If you just go with him. Amen. Why holiness? We can't have God's presence without it. Amen. We can't have that. Psalms 24, th uh, 3 and 4. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Okay? That's pretty plain. We don't even have to read all the other ones, but you have those there for you to take those down. What else? Why holiness? We are also brothers and sisters, okay? Um, in addition to all of this, a couple things before we get into the, this part about priests. The other reason is, is because God has made holiness mandatory. Amen. Leviticus 10, 9 through 10. Do not drink wine, nor strong drink, thou nor thy sons with thee. When ye go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest ye die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and that ye may put difference between holy and unholy and between unclean and clean. It's mandatory. Why? Because God wants you to be holy because his plan is to use you and I as a demonstration or as an example to this world of uh, the difference between what is right and what is wrong, what is clean and what is unclean. God wants you to be holy because he has determined and decided that he was going to use you as a living demonstration to this world to show them what holiness looks like. So in other words, God says, I want the world to know what holiness looks like. So in order for them to see what holiness looks like, I have decided that I'm going to use you. That's why you got to have holiness. Leviticus 11, 44, 45, for I am the Lord, your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourself. There's that word being separated and dedicated. We're talking about holiness and ye shall be holy. Why? Because you sanctify. You separate and you dedicate it. This is what we talked about earlier. He said, ye shall be holy for I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourself with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. For I am the Lord that bringeth you out of the land of Egypt and to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy. Why? For I am holy. Do it because he holy. Leviticus 27, sanctify yourselves therefore and be holy for I am the Lord your God. Leviticus uh, 20, 26, and ye shall be holy unto me, for I am the Lord, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have severed you from other people that ye should be mine. That's sanctified. That's what he's talking about. He said, you, you got to be holy. Why? Because I cut you off from everybody else. 
I separated you specifically so that you can represent me. Amen. Glory to God. Partial holiness, we learn, don't work. And we learned that in Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Revelation chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. And Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 through 20. Right. All of that is why holiness. Now, the another reason why holiness is because we're supposed to be priests unto God. Amen. We are called to be priests unto God. Take a look at Leviticus chapter 20, verse 26. Number one, he tells us, and we just read this one, and ye shall be holy unto me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have severed you from other people that ye should be holy. So you've been separated, okay? Because now getting, because we're moving into priests talking about this, okay? From, the, from that perspective, I've separated you. Now I want you to look at Exodus chapter 19. Look at verse number six, okay? Exodus 19 and six. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. So notice in Leviticus, he said, for I separated you. I want you to know that. I cut you off from everybody else. I distinguished you. I separated you specifically. I divided you from the world. I have divided you and separated you unto me. I have designated you for a purpose. In Exodus, we start to see it. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Notice what he said. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Glory to God. Look at that. Look at that. You got to be holy. Why? Because you are a priest. God calls you, has called you to be to the office of a priest to represent him. Look at 1 Peter 2 and 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Do you see that right there? You are a royal priesthood. Amen. Amen. You are a royal priesthood. And the priesthood got to be holy. You have been separated, designated a priest unto God. And the requirement of the priest, the requirements for the priesthood is no more, is nothing less, nothing shorter than holiness. Amen. As a priest, people are supposed to be able to come to us for correct knowledge or the correct knowledge or information as it concerns God. Look at Malachi. Amen. I love this one. Uh, four. And we're going to read through these verses here. Going into verse, and we're going to, we're going, we're going, we're going to take it. Um, this, this scripture here in, uh, in Malachi. Um, and we're probably going to go to verse number, uh, we're going to go to verse number eight. And ye shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, that my covenant might be with Levi and the Lord of hosts. Amen. Levi, that's the tribe of priests. Notice what he's talking about. Amen. My covenant was with him of life and peace. Notice, now notice, he's talking about a covenant that he had with Levi. Amen. We, we talk about all, many, many, many we, we often talk about the, the different covenants of God. But one of the ones that we don't talk about that much is the covenant with the priest. The covenant, God says, my covenant was with him, 
of life and peace. And I gave him and I gave them to him for the fear or the reverence is what that means, wherewith he feared me and was afraid before my name. So he says, I got this covenant with him and I gave him this covenant because he had reverence to me, because he had respect to me. It was different than everybody else. I, he had a level of respect and reverence for me. And God said it was good. I gave a covenant to him. Look at verse number six. The law of truth was in his mouth and iniquity was not found in his lips. No, no. He walked with me in peace and equity. And notice what he did and did turn many away from iniquity. Or in other words, he turned many away from their sin. <laughs> notice this is what he's saying. This is what the priest did. And this is what you and I are called to do. The law of truth was in his mouth and iniquity or lawlessness, unbridled sin, amen, was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity, amen, and did turn many away from iniquity. Equity means uprightness. So he says he walked with me in peace and uprightness. That's that righteous walk. That walk that 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 Enoch had. That's that that walk that, that that Noah had. That's that walk that way that we talked about with Abram or Abraham. And he says he walked with me in peace and equity, and did turn many away from iniquity. Verse seven: For the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they and they should seek the law at his mouth. Talking about the people who come to you, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Look at verse number eight. Here comes the sad indictment. But ye are departed out of the way. Ye have caused many to stumble at the law. Ye have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. See, your, your holiness is required for you and I. Why? Because we've been designated as priests. And what we learn in Malachi is the purpose of what the priest is supposed to do. And what he tells us in there is, is, is that our mouth, amen, is supposed to keep the laws of God. The truth is supposed to be in our mouth, just like it was with Levi. The ways of God is supposed to be present and accounted for in our life. We are supposed to have an understanding of God's movements and God's methods and the ways of God. And as priests, we are designed to be a repository of right information as it concerns God. The Bible said the law of truth was in his mouth. And iniquity was not found in his lip. He walked with me in peace and equity. And what did he do with it? He turned many away from their iniquity. We're supposed to be evangelized. We're supposed to be taking the word out. We're supposed to be doing all of these different things because we are priests. But brothers and sisters, these are things that we cannot do without 
holiness. Amen. So as priests, we got to be holy. Amen. Holiness. Why holiness? It is also because we are priests. And as priests, we are designed to be a repository of divine information that this world can come to and find out about God. In other words, they're supposed to be able to come to you and I and find out how to be saved. They're supposed to be able to come to you and I and find out how you're supposed to live, how you're supposed to carry yourself, how you're supposed to act, how you are supposed to talk. What are you supposed to be doing? What, do you hear what I'm saying? But that, that's what they're supposed to be doing. But that verse eight was a sad indictment in that. He said, but you are departed out of the way. And because you departed out of the way, what happened? You caused many to stumble at the law. What does that mean? It means you caused them to misunderstand the scripture. That's what that means. You cause them to misunderstand the scripture. Why? Because you have walked away from holiness. When the priest walks away from holiness, he stumbles the people. And that is why you got to have holiness. Got to have it. Amen. Glory to God. Now, let's, do, let's talk about, so let's talk about the other side of godly goals. Okay, because that was the sixth one, all right? So now we know and understand this, that we should understand and have an understanding um, this, of the six characteristics of godly goals, okay? So number one, they are focused, and you will be able to see this on, the, on your screen, okay? They are, they are focused, all right? One thing have I desired, okay? They're focused. Number two, they are sourced from God, of the Lord, all right? The phrase, and we see that from the phrase of the Lord. They are sourced from God. So godly goals are focused. Godly goals are, are sourced from God. He's the only source of that. Um, godly goals require action and work on our part. Amen. Okay, but we see that in the phrase, that will I seek after. Amen. Going after God, we learn, is faith in action. If you're going to go after God, that you, going after God is faith in action because you can't go after God without faith, okay? Not the way he wants you, but let me put it like this. You can't go after God and be found of God without faith. And there's plenty of people going after God and going after the own, they're going by way of their own uh, understanding. Now, when you go your own way after God, you're not going to find God. You, what you're going to find is error, okay? What you're going to find is a knockoff. What you're going what you're going what you're going to find is unclean spirits masquerading as God. Amen. What you're going to find is idolatry. But if you're going to find the one true God, you're going to have to do that with faith. You're going to have to follow because God, because without faith, it's impossible to please him. Okay. And true faith produces works. And we see that in James uh, 2 and 26. Okay. Godly goals are also God-centered. Okay. Or they can be God. They are God. They are God-centered. And we see that in the phrase that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Okay. God-centered goals, desire or desires. What do they do? They bring, they're designed to bring us God-centered goals. They bring us closer to God because why? In order to get it, you got to dwell or abide in Jesus who is God. Amen. So they're designed, they, they, they bring you closer to God. Be, they, and the way they do that is, be by, be, is because in order to have that, you got to dwell or abide in him. And we learn that the way we abide in Christ is by way of obedience to his word. Amen. Okay. The fifth uh, characteristic was, is that they require commitment. Amen. 
And we see that in the phrase, all the days of my life. That shows us that there's some commitment that is involved. And then finally, as we just talked about, godly goals um, um, require, or God-centered goals require or demand holiness. God wants us to be holy. And we, and we just talked about all of that. And not only that, but we should want to be holy. Amen. We should want what God has for us. Now, in addition to the six characteristics of godly goals, because now we're getting to the other side, all right? And as equally as important as the goals itself, and then sometimes in many cases, it's all, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it can almost, arguably, it's even almost more so more important. But in, in addition to these six characteristics of godly goals or God-centered goals is the issue or the matter of purpose. Amen. And this is what we mean when we start talking about the other side of godly goals. Okay. What purpose? Because the motive and the heart. Okay. It's one thing to have a goal. That's, that's good. We need goals. We need that. We need something to strive to. And amen. And all the more when those goals are godly or God centered. Amen. That makes a goal even better. When God is when God when it's when it's when God is in, is included in it, but brothers and sisters, oftentimes one of the most critical define, def, defining factors of what type of goal or what area your or in, where your goal or where your goal sits, okay, or or determines where where it is determines as, as far as is it selfish or uh, or is it for the benefit of god or 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 his people the defining factor is often or the deciding factor is often purpose and that's your motive that's your motive behind why you do what you do so we got some questions to consider what is the purpose behind the goal okay because this is the other side of godly goals you can't just have the goal it's not just the goals but there's but but it all but we also have to pay attention to the purpose or the reason behind the goal. What is the driving factor? Amen. What is the driving factor that that propels us and pushes us forward toward the goal? Okay. What what what's the wind in your sail? Where where where, where does that wind come from? What is that? Is that is that just you? Is that is that just me? What, 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 what's the reason for, for the season? And why am I pursuing this? Why am I going after that? See, these things are important, brothers and sisters, because God examines the heart. Amen. God examines the heart. God's looking at the heart. Now, we're going to get into this and back into this by way of breaking down and getting into the rest of this scripture. Now we are in Psalms, amen, um, 27, in verse uh, number four, all right? And we know the word tells us, one thing have I desired, once we get to verse four, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord uh, all the days of my life. That's the goal, all that, that's the goal. Now we get into the reason, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Okay. So now we're getting into David's goal or David's reason behind the goal. Okay. So we already know what does he want to do? 
He says, one thing that I have I desire that was that I will dwell. I want to be in your presence, God. I want to be, I want to be right there. I want, I want all that. I want to be right there and I want to be there all the days of my life. That's my goal. That's my goal. But but why do I want it? Now, now we get down to why do I want it? And when we get to the B portion, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, now we're getting into why David actually wants it. And we're gonna break down, we're gonna break down David's reasoning. Okay. Purpose, we gotta have a reason. We need a reason behind. And here's the and, and, and this is important because, brothers and sisters, if your reason behind spiritual things or the things of God or doing the things of God, if your reason is wrong, God is not going to bless you. God is not, God's not going to endorse you. Your motive is important from start to finish. It's not just having a good goal, godly goals, and, and, and you know, that it benefits God. Yes, there's a benefit to me. It's a, there's a God-centered component that benefits me. So God is a recipient and I am a recipient. It's, it's more than, it's more than that. It goes deeper than that. Even those, those, even though that would be the outcome that it, that it seemingly positively benefits God and it seemingly positively benefits you, there needs to be the right motive. God is concerned about the driving factor. And oftentimes God will check in or check out of a thing based on the driving factor or the motivation of a person of concerning or as it concerns the thing that he or she intends to do. Amen. In other words, God says, so what that God says, yeah, I see that it could benefit. I see how this could benefit me and I see how this could benefit you. But then God says, but your motive for, for all of this is that really about me? You got the whole wrong idea. And you got to understand when God sees that, guess what? God's going to check out of that. God's not going to bless that. Amen. So now, so purpose is important. But now we get in specifically to David's portion, David's, David's purpose. And we're going to get into that. Amen. The B portion says to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Now, let's break some of this down and get into it. All right. So first we have the word behold, and the word behold means to see or to look, okay? And, but, 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 it, but it means uh, to perceive with attention, all right? So you're directing your gaze towards something or, 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 or someone, okay? Amen. And these are things that, um, that are important, not only that, okay? Let's continue on, okay? So the usage in addition to that, okay? The usage of that phrase it really has meaning that's really stronger than just looking at something it's stronger than 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 just implying okay looking at something i just want to see it with my eyes it's more than that okay when when when, when he says to behold the beauty of the lord david is not just saying i want to simply see it knee-jerk reaction is, is that that's probably the way we would interpret it without knowing more about it, okay? But the conveyed thought or the concept behind this goes deeper than just mere looking and it moves into the territory of examining something, okay? So when David says the, to behold the beauty of the Lord, Amen. What he's saying is, 
I want to not just see it. He's saying, I want to examine it. Amen. Amen. This is very important. David is saying more than just, I want to see God. He's saying more than that. More than I want to just, I want to see God. I want to see his, see his beauty. No. But more so what he's saying is, I want to study it. I want to examine it. I want to take it all in. I want to really get in to and understand the beauty of God. Amen. I, 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 I want to, I, I need a deep dive. I need to, I, I, I'm not satisfied with just a casual understanding. I'm not satisfied with just a casual look. I'm not satisfied with just a everyday glance. I'm not satisfied with an every now and then relationship. I'm not satisfied with any of that. I, I need something more. I want something more. I need, I need more than, 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 than a casual relationship. I'm not looking for a fling. I'm not looking for something that, that's here today and gone tomorrow. I, when it comes to God, I'm not looking to just cross paths with God every now and then. When it comes to God, I am not just looking to bump into God when I go to the grocery store. I don't want to just somehow run into him when I'm at the bank. And, and I don't want to just somehow, oh my goodness, guess what? God's right there. I don't want that type of relationship. God says, David says, no, 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 no. I, I want to examine it. I want more than, than that. I, I, I want to behold it. I want to put my arms around it. I want to be able to handle it. I want to be able to, to grab hold of it. I want to be able to turn it over and, and, and over and over again. And I want to be able to look at it from all angles. And I want to be able to see God from all sides. I want more than just a casual knowledge. I don't, I'm not interested in just hearing what somebody's preaching to me. I'm not interested in just hearing what somebody is, 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 is testifying about. But I want to get in the word myself. I want to dig into the scripture. I want to know God for myself. I'm not interested in just having a sermon that I go and listen to. No, I want to take the sermon that I heard. I want to take the lesson that I learned. And I want to take the next step. And I want to get in. I want to dive in. I want to be immersed in God. That's what David is talking about when he says to behold thy beauty. David is saying, I want to swim in it. David is saying, I want to backstroke in it. David is saying, I want to be all in when it comes to God. God says, I want God all over me. I want God all around me. I want God everything. I am not satisfied with just knowing the articles of, of holiness and God. I need it to be all in me. I need it to be all over me. I need it to be all about that. David said to be Hold, I want to examine it. I want to take it in. And I'm asking you, brothers and sisters, what is your reason for your the goals of God? Do you, why do you really want what you really want? Is it 
because somebody else said that that might be something that you can do? Is it because somebody encouraged you that you know what, you might want to look into that? Or is it your heart's desire? Do you want God because you want God? Or do you want him because somebody else wants you to want him? You got to want God for yourself. I know this is heavy. I know this is almost a deviation, but we're really right in this part here because God is looking for a relationship with somebody that wants to be in a relationship. Glory to God. I'm going to say it again. The God that we serve is looking for those who want to serve him, not those who are told to serve him. Glory to God. This is why Jesus came, and he didn't come bringing judgment the first go around. No, 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 no. But what he did was that he opened up the doors of the church and made the way for salvation plain and available to you and I. Why? Because he wants you to choose him because you want to choose him, not because you're told to. Not because you're told to. Listen, the day is going to come where every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. It won't be no more choice. But by that time, when you confess the Lord God Almighty, because time has run out and now every knee has got to bow and every tongue has got to confess, on that day, I'm telling you, if that is the day in which you finally get it into your head and into your spirit that God is God all by himself and that he is worthy, on that day, it's going to be too late. On that day, it's going to be too late. You've got to choose God right now while you have the chance while you have the opportunity, while you have breath in your body, you got to go hard for the Lord with everything that you got because you want to. And not because somebody else told you to. Your motive when it comes to your goals is important because it is the deciding factor as to whether or not God's going to check out or whether he's going to check in. And I don't know about you, but we talked before about God being a part of the camp. I can't afford to have God check out of my camp. I can't afford to have God say, you know what? I see what you're doing, but I don't, I'm not going to have no part of that. I need God every day. I need him like oxygen. I got to have God. You hear what I'm telling you? If I can't have anything else or anybody else, everybody else can go. I'll trade it all in a moment for God. You just got to understand that for God, I live and for God, I'll die. And I listen, I've already lived my life of betrayal against God. And I have received much grace and much mercy. And I'm not desiring to go back to that. So I'm going to give God the best that I can while I can give it. And brothers and sisters, I hope that you'll do the same. We'll continue with this on next week. We'll dig in further, getting into this concept of beauty according to the scripture. We're going to talk about it from many different angles, and then we're going to drill into the beauty of the Lord that David is talking about. And I guarantee you it is going to be a blessing. So Make sure you tell somebody about it. Send them links. Whatever you need to do, they are not going to want to miss this. You are not going to want to miss it.